If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is uh, the... Am I on? Okay, good. This is uh, the Apostle Paul talking about the last... Uh, the uh, Last Supper. I'm just going to use one verse. Uh, I'm going to read one verse. Verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in the same manner, in verse 24, he has taken the bread. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new, test, the new covenant. Some translations say testament. Okay? In my blood... Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the word covenant. Now I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Now, if when Jesus gave this to the disciples, he used that term. One of the things that I have learned is if something's in the Bible, let's go find out what it's talking about. And let me tell you something else. We were talking this morning about how to know false doctrine and that. The Bible always explains the Bible. You'll see that as time goes on. You got a scripture you don't understand? I can tell you right now, there's probably another scripture that will explain it and bring it, make it more clear in the Bible. But the Bible always explains the Bible. In Hebrews chapter uh, 8, verses 6 and 7, But now Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. There's that word covenant again. And you could go to uh, Hebrews 12, but you don't need to. And in verse 24, Hebrews 12 and verse 24, it says, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So, a covenant. Now, let me stop here and say this. The reason I'm talking about a covenant is, first of all, because I feel the Lord wants me to do that. But if the Bible tells us we have something, well, let's go find out what we have. And my purpose for doing this is really twofold. Number one, when you know what you have, it gives you comfort. Let me explain. Let's say you have a, a uh, son or a daughter and they come from a good home and they have parents that love them. It's a great comfort for them to know when they get hungry, they can go home. They've got food waiting in the refrigerator or if they get wet, they can go home and they have um, uh, clean clothes and dry clothes and when you began to understand about the new covenant it's very comforting it's very assuring you don't have to worry about oh I got to show myself who I am or you don't have to be you, know, you, you can relax and enjoy this my second purpose is to build up your faith or to strengthen your faith uh, as a point of reference. Now let me explain that. Um, Dennis, 
going to use you as an example. Now, I don't want you to get religious on me, okay? Let's say you're driving from Vita to here, and let's say that you get distracted by your beautiful wife sitting next to you, and so all of a sudden, you're doing 77, 78 miles an hour, and you look in the mirror, and you see red and blue lights. And so you pull over, and the law enforcement officer comes out, and he says to you, you were going 77, I'm gonna write you a ticket. He writes you a ticket, he goes to hand it to you, and when you look at him, all of a sudden you see that he's a Royal Canadian Mountie Police, and he's from Canada. What would your response be? Now don't get religious on me, just what would your response be? A. <laughs> no. A, no, that don't, don't come. Really, what would your response be? You have no, you have no authority here. You have no authority here. And your reference point would be the law of the land and, and the law of Montana and the fact that you know that. Church, many times the devil and people are going to try and give you things that as a child of God, that he's got no authority to give you. None. And many times because we don't know our covenant and we don't know what our covenant says, we accept it or we receive it. We go through life and just receive when we don't have to. And when you have that reference point. Did you know that in the Bible, now the Bible is full of uh, types and shadows. And whenever there was a big event, like when Noah came out of the ark. Yeah, it was Noah out of the ark. Okay, I had to stop for a minute. When Noah came out of the ark, he did something. When Jacob uh, went ahead and uh, met with the angels, the next morning he did something. Do you remember what they did? Does anybody? They built an altar. And every time they saw that altar, what was it? It was a reference point of what took place. When you know and understand the covenant, that becomes your reference point of what Jesus Christ did for you. It becomes a reference point so that the enemy can't give you what doesn't belong to you. You see what I'm saying? And so that's my purpose. Now, the word covenant actually means testament. And so we have the Bible, and the Bible has the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so we're going to start tonight, to tonight, it's today, we're going to start today and talk a little bit about the Old Covenant. See, you really can't appreciate what you have oftentimes if you don't know where it came from. You know, I could, have, I could come next week with a brand new vehicle and I could say to you, Leela, boy, this new vehicle, you ought to come and see it and she could be, come out looking at it. But if, and I could say to her, you know, this is so much nicer than my old vehicle and blah, blah, blah. But if she never saw my old vehicle, she wouldn't know how much better this one really is. And so I want to take you back and let you see the old covenant and we talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. And then I want to share with you about the new covenant and what we have. And so let's go talking about the old covenant. Now, understand something in the Old Testament. 
covenants were made that could be limited in their scope and in their time. Uh, a good example of that would be Noah in chapter Genesis uh, chapter 9 when he came out of the ark. Matter of fact, go ahead and go there. Gen Genesis chapter 9. I almost, I'm starting a new Bible. Bibles don't last me very long and I was starting a new Bible but I was going to bring it up here today and I thought, no, nah, I'm still having trouble with the pages sticking. Now, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 8, Then God spoke to Noah and his sons, saying, As with me, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the ark of the earth with you that goes with you. Thus I establish my covenant with you never again, shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy this earth. And then God put in the sign of the rainbow. So that was a limited covenant in its scope. It only had to do with um, God not flooding the earth and destroying everything on it. It was perpetual in the fact that as long as the earth remains, that covenant was in effect. But there are covenants that are everlasting. There are covenants that are, are um, endless in their scope. They encompass everything. And the strongest type of covenant that you can get is a blood covenant. And that is where, normally that is where two people will cut the palm of their hand or their wrists and then they will join, they will join hands and the blood will mingle. You remember in old Western movies or something where we become blood brothers or so on. And the blood covenant, uh, many countries today still practice that. Now some of them cut the hand and then they squeeze it into a cup of wine and drink it. But the Bible forbids that. The Bible forbids the drinking of blood. And in the Old Testament, the word covenant actually comes from the Hebrew word barith. And it means to cut or to cut until blood flows, is what it means. And, and like I said, it is still in, a, in, in effect today. Um, now let's go to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to talk about the Old Covenant. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Are you all here yet this morning? Oh, y'all are quiet. Wow. Genesis 15, chapter 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And God said to Abraham... I will make your descendants uh, down as the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. So God, notice this, God said, number one, I'm going to protect you. Number two, you're going to be exceedingly great. Now when you have an endless covenant, what that means is that if I were to enter into covenant, let's say with Jerry, 
and we were to enter into a unlimited, endless, everlasting covenant. Okay? And it was a blood covenant. What that means is this, Jerry, all of my assets are yours. All of my liabilities are yours. Jerry, if someone comes against my wife or my family, you agree to go ahead and use every asset you've got to fight on my behalf. On the other half, all of your assets are mine. All of your liabilities are mine. If someone comes against your wife or your family, then I agree to go ahead and use all of my assets to protect you. That is in essence what an, an unlimited blood covenant makes. Now, what did Abraham have to bring to God? Nothing but liabilities. Nothing. And yet, so who got the better deal? Well, think of it this way though. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know what? When I came to God, because God made a blood covenant with man, okay? All I had was liabilities. God had all the assets. I never had to protect God. But he's always came to my protection. Well, with Abraham, it was the same way. All Abraham had was liabilities. And, and then I love it. Let's go, let's go here to uh, Genesis 15. Verse 8. So God makes all these promises to Abraham. Look what Abraham says. Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? In other words, I'll inherit what you've given me. Now, a lot of people would shrug at that. But God tells us we're supposed to put him in remembrance of his word. Now, that means we do it with a humble spirit. See? We're not haughty or nasty about it. But God says, remind me of what I've told you I will do for you. And that's what Abraham does. God, how am I going to know you're going to do this for me? Okay, let's go on. And God said to Abraham, bring me three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Okay? And the reason why God to do this, now they're going to enter into a blood covenant. Now, Abraham could bleed, but God can't. God can't bleed. I mean, he so he used substitutionary animals. And if you study the Bible, you'll notice that these animals that God uses for the covenant are a representation of Christ. You have the lamb, which was meek and gentle and submissive. That was the lamb of God. Jesus, okay, you have the dove or the pigeon, and it represents the freedom that Jesus gave up when he came to earth, and the freedom he gives us in Christ. You'll know the truth, and the truth will... That's the freedom, and that's a representation of Jesus who gave up his freedom, and then you have the oxen, and that represents the enormous strength that Jesus had. Remember when he, when he said... You don't take me. I give myself to you. Don't you know I could do what? Call 12 legions of angels. Well, depending on who you talk to, a legion is three to 6,000. And if you take it on the, on the short end, 3,000, he could have called 36,000 angels. I think it would have been over with real quick. 
And so God doesn't bleed. And so God's way was to use a substitutionary animal. Or a substitution, okay? So let's go to Genesis 15, still. Verse 17. And it came to pass, now we see that um, he said to him, Bring me three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And verse 10, And then he brought all these to him, and cut them in two down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. Let's jump to verse 17. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Now, that oven and that burning torch represented God who passed between those pieces. See, normally, the one that, that made the covenant, God was the one that made the covenant to show it would walk through that, well, God, that represented God, Yahweh, God, okay? And the Lord was the promising party. God was making the promise to Abraham. And God's oath to Abraham, as we can see, it was unilateral, it was unconditional. The only requirement that was placed upon Abraham was to what? Believe. That's all you got to do is believe. And the Bible says he believed and though and so through this act God and Abraham began a covenant now it was a limited covenant because it was only to Abraham and his descendants that's all it was to Gentiles they were out could Gentiles become Jews yeah and we won't go into that but this was a this was a limited covenant in the fact that it was only to Abraham and his descendants. And we'll talk more about that next week. Okay? And so, understand this. Now, there was a problem. Then, because the people would sin and, and death ruled, enter the law of Moses. To protect the Jews and to position the Jews if they were obedient but remember that the law was based upon what people did and so you have the Jews they were in covenant God was in covenant with Abraham and they would sin and death would come along and there was a way that God could stay that okay but there was a problem The law couldn't give life, the Bible tells us, and we'll talk about that later. The wages, let me give you one scripture. The wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is? And the Bible tells us that the law could have given life, it would have been given. The law, Hebrews tells us, that's what the Jews, they were under the law, under the covenant of Abraham. The law couldn't forgive sins. Did you know that? Go with me to Hebrews. Uh, where am I at? Hebrews 10, I think it is. Yep. 
Hebrews 10 chapter, well, I'll start with verse 1. For the law, the law was given to the Jews, right? Okay. The law having a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image of the things, can never with those same sacrifices which they offered year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to offer? Okay? But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sin every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Isn't that something every year? There was a reminder of your sins coming back on you. The older you got, the heavier that burden got. And so, it couldn't give life. It couldn't justify. You know what justify means? Just as if you'd never sinned. In other words, declared in right standing with God. It couldn't do that. No matter what they did, they couldn't keep all of the law. They couldn't do it. And so there had to be another covenant. I want to talk about the new, you know we have the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant, the new one. I want to talk about that. But I want to share with you one covenant that's my favorite. And that is in um, 1 Samuel chapter 18. You know, as I began to understand the covenant and what I had, I don't mind telling you that I had problems with it. And my problem was this. Uh, what do I do? I mean, okay, it's in the Bible and it's true, but God, I mean, so can I give you more money? Uh, what do you want me to do? Just believe. Yeah, but God, look what you've done. I mean, you've taken me out of the kingdom of darkness. Things I wanted to do, I don't want to do anymore. Not because somebody lorded it over me. Not because God stuck his finger out of heaven and says, Oh, and you cut that out. He didn't do No. All of a sudden, I'm, there was something inside of me. God, what can I do? And I'm not a crier. Okay, my wife, my wife never meets a stranger. She's the, I'm more kind, I know, I, believe it or not, and you talk to her later, I didn't like people. I did not, I just had no use for people at all. But that changed. Well, God, what can I do? What, what can I do? Well, let me read this covenant to you. 1 Samuel 18. Now, when David, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, David, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And Saul took David that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David, even his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. 
Now this is a covenant where literally, literally, may I borrow you for a minute, ma'am? Literally, here's Jonathan and here's David. Or I'm Jonathan, you're going to be David. And Jonathan not only takes off his armor, and he takes off his sword as if to say, I so trust you. I'm making myself defenseless in front of you. It's yours. And thank you. But get this. That sword and that robe and that shield had the markings of the king. Because Jonathan was the king's son. And when David put them on, how did people see him? Oof. He's carrying the authority of the king. So anyway, Jonathan and David have a, a covenant, okay? So now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 4. Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet, okay? He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And in 1 Samuel, uh, the last chapter, and maybe I'll teach on it sometimes, we see where a nation falls and a king is destroyed. And Jonathan, uh, Saul commits suicide is what he does. And the news came, okay, and Jonathan's son, his nurse took him up and fled, and it happened she, as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. And so that's what happens. Now, okay, so now you've got Jonathan and David are in covenant. Jonathan has a son. Jonathan's dead. So is Saul. Jonathan got pierced through by an arrow, son committed suicide. David's on the throne. And the law of the land in that day was this. When you took over the throne, you killed the ancestors of the If they were from a different family, you killed all the descendants of that family. Why? So they didn't rise up one day and try to take the throne back. And so that's why the nurse grabbed Mephibosheth and ran. Why? Well, because the kingdom under Saul was dead, so to speak. Now let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Starting in verse 1. Now, there's peace in, in Judah and Israel. That's the two regions. Starting in verse 1. And David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Notice that. He's got a covenant with Jonathan. Is there anybody left in his household that I can show him favor? Not for his sake, for Jonathan's. I got a covenant with him. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. When they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of the Lord? And Ziba said to the king, 
there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Now, the word Lodibar means no pasture in the Hebrew. No pasture. In other words, I got a feeling he was on the backside of nowhere. Lodibar is a place in Palestine. And why not? He was from the prior kingdom. If he wanted to stay alive, he needed to hide. So the king didn't kill him, the king that was currently on the throne. See, I mean, that's the way the law of the land was. Let's go on. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makar, the son of Emiel. And now when Mephibosheth, let me stop there. So can you imagine, here is this kid lame, living in a place called No Pasture. And uh, probably heard lies about David because Saul tried to kill David. What do you think it was like when an official, and maybe it was guards, came and knocked on the door of his home and he looked out and saw that? I wonder if his heart didn't beat just a lot faster. And I wonder if he thought, I'm a dead duck. Life's over for me. Let's go on. They bring him to David. Verse 6, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself and said, Mephibosheth, years of serving God and realizing what he's done to make a long story short David reaches down and picks him up and says number one I'm restoring to you everything that was taken away from you and number two, from now on, you eat at the king's table. Mephibosheth was crippled because of a fall. And we've been crippled also because of a fall. The fall of Adam and Eve. But I want you to know, because of the new covenant, we can sit at the king's table and he restores to us everything 
that were lost in the fall of Adam and Eve. And I want to take time, my time's up today, but I want to take time next week to share with you what you have under the new covenant. Under the new covenant. And just like David said, don't be afraid, and he picked him up, said, I restore to you everything. And you're going to eat from now on at the goods I prepare. I got news for you, Don. My wife and I's marriage, that's because God's prepared it. We came to God and he repaired it and made it. And what we eat and what we drive is from the king. And he's made it. That's the new covenant that we live under. Let me just say this. Let's pray. Lord, we've looked back at how much you love us. You loved us so much that you made a covenant with Abraham. And Lord, you provided a way to stay the hand of death until you could send the perfect sacrifice for the new covenant. And Lord, there may be people here today, there may be people in the sound of my voice on the podcast who are full of fear, who are crippled in some way, whether it be physically or mentally or addictive or financially, I don't know. But Lord, you have a new covenant for them. A better covenant based on better promises. And just like Abraham, all they need is faith. To say, Father, I accept the gift. I accept the covenant that you made with mankind through the perfect sacrifice, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.